Hey everyone, welcome back to the first episode of 2022 on Founder Stories. I hope you had the opportunity to reflect and create awesome goals for this year. As always, I want to share my gratitude. I'm super grateful for you who come every single week and listen to these incredible conversations with the most awesome people. So your support means the world to me and I'm super, super grateful. Our next guest is my dear friend, Iran Shirazi, co-founder and CTO of EasySend. EasySend was founded in 2016 with three co-founders, one of them actually being Iran's brother. They've raised $71.5 million and have 120 employees globally. So EasySend was actually started as a side project, which eventually turned into a full-time project. So EasySend was started as a side project, which eventually turned into a full-time project. It was also bootstrapped for the first few years, and they actually had a hard time raising money when they started to raise money. So this conversation with Iran is absolutely insightful. Like we talk about everything, what it's like first with the bootstrap a company. You know, what's the commitment process from going from a side hustle to a full-time gig? We also talk about what it's like to create a culture globally, how to deal with your board members. There's literally everything and everything we spoke about. So I highly suggest for you to stick it out all the way to the end because you're definitely going to walk out more knowledgeable. So Iran, thank you for this incredible conversation, your honesty, vulnerability, and the willingness to share. So have a great listen, and if you benefit, please suggest it to a friend who can benefit too. Now, in order to reach more listeners and inspire more people to take action in their life, please subscribe and leave a review. This recording is brought to you by the Goodness and Kindness Foundation. If you're walking down the street, smile to a stranger, do a good deed for someone else, and let's all strive to make our impact in this world to make the world a better dwelling place for everyone. Now, this year, for 2022, one of the commitments for the Founder Stories podcast is I hope to be releasing two episodes per week, so every Thursday and, God willing, every Monday. If you have any suggestions or feedback of how we can improve the Founder Stories podcast, please reach out to me. You can find me on LinkedIn at Efrain Yarmak. Thank you, and have a great listen. Hey everyone, I'm super, super excited to have with us a very, very special guest today. Today we have the absolute honor to host our very dear friend, Iran. Iran has the most fascinating story possible. So first thing is, Iran is a CTO and co-founder together with his brother. And we're going to get into how, what it's like to have a brother as a co-founder and the incredible tal of an amazing company called EasySend. EasySend was founded in 2016. I'm going to get into the, all the details about around it, how it got started, what it was like. And but the, the current date, EasySend is at 120 employees, raised $71 million, and is doing amazing, amazing things. But besides that, Iran has another job, which is probably a better job and most amazing job as a husband, as a father, to beautiful children, to a beautiful wife, which is an amazing thing. And we'll probably get into that too. But I am super excited to have Iran here with us today to hear his story and how he got to where he is the lessons he learned, the challenges he went through, so we can apply that back to our own life. So, Iran, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Efrain. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, very much looking forward to our conversation that we're going to have today. Very much looking forward. You know, there's so many places where to start over here. We have EasySend, which is the most amazing story in itself. And from my understanding, in the beginning, you bootstrap EasySend, and until you raised money, was, was um, your first round was a little bit, and then eventually raised a monster round of $50 million, which absolutely crazy story. I'm going to get into that. But um, I want to know, like, what are some of the things that so far surprised you along this journey? Well, there were so many surprises. I don't even know, uh, you know, where to start. I mean, when we started EasySend, it was... Uh more like a project we were experimenting with. Actually, our first customer, so, so we are three co-founders, like, like you said, and one of them is my brother, and the other is uh, one of his uh, 
close friends who they work together. So they, they met at work and they worked for an insurance company. And uh, the initial idea was just uh, trying to improve things for, for the place they worked with. So the, it was like they were trying to think of creative ways to do things better where, where they were working. And I was just helping as, uh, uh, you know, a person with the uh, knowledge in technology. And then I wanted to help my younger brother. So that's how it started. And uh, so, you know, we, we even never even ima- imagined in the first uh, days of this and that uh, we're going to have a company and like you said, 120 employees and, and fundraising. So, you know, the, that was, the I think, the first surprise. And uh, uh, we all kind of understood that this is something that can be bigger. And we all shifted gears and tried to focus on this amazing project and uh so i think that was the first surprise uh along the way i think there were there were many surprises like you know uh going from a local solution to uh talking with companies in europe and in the us and understanding that everyone uh has the same things in mind and the same problems and all of them are struggling to to tackle the same things in the area of becoming a, a really digital first company and for us it, for us it was an amazing uh, journey to kind of like gradually understand what we're building here work with our customers to learn more about their needs and uh you know get to a place where now we can safely say that you know we, we really have something that can help big companies, but also can help everyone that uses their services. So if you want to use an insurance company services or a bank, you're working with your bank. So it's always frustrating to filling these forms and everyone is looking for a better experience. And it's uh, honestly, it works both ways because like the company getting these forms and having to read all these handwritten places and, and uh, go over thousands of forms every day, it's crazy. So uh, everyone is looking for a better solution and it's, it's just hard. So I think we find a spot, we found this uh, spot that, you know, is, is painful worldwide. And, and we, we were lucky enough to be able to, to do some good in, in this area. You mentioned there's two, two surprises. The first thing, obviously, thinking about never imagining that this company would turn into what it is into. And the second thing is that the fact that your solution is actually solving a problem and it's making a bigger difference and it's all around the world, customers all around the world. So and we're going to get into both of those. But before we get into both of those, why don't we take a step back and figure out who Iran is. Before Iran as a CTO, there was Iran that went, they grew up as a, as a teenager, went to high school, and then he went to elementary school. Then there's a little child, Iran, that went to kindergarten. And then there's a really, really baby Iran. Who's Iran? Where are you from? And what was your upbringing like? So I grew up in Israel, in a city close to Tel Aviv called Ramat Gan, where I live today. It's Tel Aviv. And uh, I had uh, one brother, so he's working with me today, and two amazing parents. And uh, generally, I can say that I'm a computer geek since a very (laughs) young age, so (laughs) there's no easy way to say it. Uh, So I remember... I actually remember this picture in my head that kind of changed the path of my entire career where my father took me and my brother when we were really young. I was like, I think, 10 years old and he was seven years old. And he showed me a computer program that prints the numbers uh, uh, from one to 15 in different colors. And I was like, what, how can you tell the computer what to do? And, and it's actually doing that. That's amazing. And that's where I... I like really fell for this idea and I started learning myself and back then there was no like internet where you can read stuff so I used to use the it was like based in in a a basic programming language so there was like kind of a help there where I could learn the basics and I was just learning English so I 
used to call him all day long at work and say, hey, daddy, what's this letter? Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's how I started. So uh, yeah, and uh, I have been doing it as a hobby um, throughout most of like school. Yeah, so that's, that's how it started. Uh, I think my brother we, was also very technical, but he kind of took, uh, uh, he, he didn't fall for it as strong as I did. So, so he, he took the other direction and uh, here we are today working together again. So it's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's good. Your, your parents must be having a lot of um, happiness and enjoyment from seeing you two get along very well and working together. Uh, I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you fight as kids? Oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, of course. And are you still fighting now? Um, it's different, different kind of fights. You know, as kids, we, we used to physically fight all the time and do a lot of trouble for for my mother. Today, we are like, uh, I'm leading R&D and he's leading sales. So we always have these discussions about, no, this is not the right direction for the company. Everyone pushes to a different way. And uh, it's a good balance, I think. Uh, at first, we were a bit worried about, you know, how's, what's it going to be like working together? And is it going to affect our, our, you know, personal relationship or something but in the end i can tell you that i it made us even closer and it was uh, a very positive thing to do and we see each other much more and uh, now we are both fathers so we we see the families much more and it's 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 good it's amazing i think it made made us closer wow that's amazing that's beautiful you know a lot of times people say don't get into business with your family your, your family or your friends it's because a risk honestly it's a risk to see that you're making it work is is, is absolutely inspiring Thank you. You had this whole upbringing and getting it and you got into computers, which is incredible to see. Like you never know where your path could take you. Like doing something for a very young age, you never know that if that thing is going to be beneficial later on. And this could be like, you know, you learning computer science or someone else taking some type of course in school or whatever it may be. Right. And I think the first step is to find something you, you really love, you're really passionate about. So, you know, I saw it and I couldn't leave my hands from the computer since that day. So, you know, everyone has this something that is passionate about and you just have to be open and, and listen to, to your your heart and, and, and mind what they're telling you and uh, I think the best way if you're doing something you love then you know uh, you already done half the work how did you make your way into entrepreneurship um, so I, first of all I think it was always something that uh, was somewhere in my mind so I, I always thought that uh, it would be amazing to to start my own company and so in Israel it's very common to start uh, um, the, your technical career in the army so everyone has to to do mandatory army service and usually people with uh, knowledge in in technology and programming and computers they tend to do things related to that so it's not really kind of like an really army service but more of like a high-tech job <laughs> and so that's where i i really started and uh, uh, actually a lot of israel's uh, entre entrepreneurs start with gaining their experience there uh, so i think it was uh, right after the when i finished my army service uh, where i tried tried my first attempt with someone that i i uh, worked with in there and i think that's the first thing we we've done wrong because we we didn't even have a experience you know working for an actual company and we've done a lot of mistakes that i guess it's the best way to learn but so for example we are both coming from technical background so uh, we started working on a prototype and not even talking to potential customers mm -hmm. and we 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 worked on it and thought on different problems and it took like 
three months before we even showed it to some potential customers. So I think what I would do if you're coming from a technical background is try to validate your idea as, as uh, the best you can before line, uh, writing the first line of code, just because it's your comfort zone. And it's the thing that, you know, if, if you just have a computer near you, you'll start writing code and experimenting. And that's not necessarily the good thing to do when you just get started. And I think uh, uh, along the way, so uh, yeah, I, I worked for several companies and uh, uh, some of them startup companies. And I grew in, the, in this industry and, and then I think I gained enough experience that helped me. So when we started EasySend, for example, we used to iterate um, on the product while while, you know, working with customers and we would build things together according to our customers' needs. So I think it's a good approach to start that way. I mean, that's something I definitely learned along the way. And that's such an important point because it solves two things. First of all, with everything going around now about being product, product-led growth and where the customers are leading the growth of the, of the product and the company is very, very important. And, you know, for people that don't understand product-led growth, and we'll get into it in a second, but also about the first thing, it's like, yeah, it's almost like the thing what we all, all, all entrepreneurs think at the beginning. I remember thinking it plenty of times, I'm sure you did. Oh, let's build it. And then everyone will come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you have this failed attempt at entrepreneurship, right? At Post Army. What, what did you do afterwards? And then eventually this goes quickly what did you do afterwards until the founding story of um, EasySend? So uh, first of all, just because I wanted to be a good uh, boy to my parents, you know, you have to go and do your, your degree. So I learned uh, in Tel Aviv University my uh, bachelor's degree in, in uh, mathematics and computer science. Uh, I think my most, uh, my, the thing that uh, I learned the most from was my role in, uh, in a company called Anydoo. It's really different from EasySend, but I was I joined there in, uh, as one of the first employees. It's, it was a startup company we started. It was uh, started I think 2010 probably, and uh, I started as a developer there and uh, grew up until I led the research team. And I think I I had a, uh, uh, the, the opportunity to learn a lot about how a startup looks like. What are the challenges? Uh, how fundraising looks like, what's what's it like to build the entire technical stack from the ground up. So uh, this really helped me, uh, you know, learn. And uh, honestly, they were great guys. Uh, some of them I, I uh, were close friends from my army service. And uh, honestly, all the others were also really amazing people. So it's a great opportunity there to to grow and learn. And EasySend, like I told you, it started more like as a as a project that we didn't even know what it's going to turn into. And yeah, and then it kind of just happened. We, we were just uh, uh, learning a lot more about this field and uh, gradually started shifting towards it. And until we understood that, you know, we want to build this as a as a global company and we kind of uh, went for the more traditional startup way of uh, fundraising and uh, you know going global you make it sound like it was just a simple thing <laughs> starting it having ideas starting it traditional and then going global let's, <laughs> let's start let's start from the beginning at, you know at what, what point did you guys decide that you want to take it from a side project and make it into a real thing and that all of you are going to quit your jobs so um it was kind of a process where it happened so i think like so the first customer was actually the place that uh, both my partners were working for and then through some friends we went to another insurance company here in israel and we expanded 
and we were not really not really a platform company back then because we didn't have a platform so a lot of the work was kind of like a more professional services approach we built things that they they could use on their website so our our product is used so for example they wanted to onboard new customers for uh, insurance and they were looking for easy ways to to build these digital experiences so we kind of took the first step of building a platform that would let them do it without coding but it wasn't complete so we still had to complete several uh, parts via coding and and along the way we built more and more parts of the platform as we grew and uh, yeah so so we started you know uh, going from one place to another in Israel the, the financial industry is not very big so there are uh, you know 20 major companies and, and it's easy to meet them all everyone knows everyone else and when you start working with some so people start talking about it so that's how we grew and i think when we when we actually said you know let's let's go to the more traditional way and, and fundraise and and uh, focus on that we were already a company of uh, 16 employees and uh, we had revenue close to one million dollars at this point uh, so i think where we we really got serious about it was probably after the fourth or fifth customer joined and we understood that it, it's big and we want to do that and it took us I think even uh, more than a year after that to uh, shift to the next year and go global, basically. So then in your first year, you, you bootstrapped the company. What, what were the early challenges you had with, with bootstrapping the company back then? And um, the early challenges of that, of that first year. So being a bootstrap company and, and also doing the shift later, it's like completely two different things. And it, uh, uh, it's something you have to adapt. So as a bootstrap company, you know, we, we used to uh, be able to get more employees on board when we get new customers and uh, we didn't have much money so we started with people that are not really that experienced and, uh, and we taught them and we got some friends on board with where uh, they, they they were also excited about the idea so they were working with us more because of the potential and, and just having fun working together and I remember we, we even had months where we, we uh, you know some customers uh, delayed their, their payments so we had to personally take a loan to make sure we can pay everyone it was like kind of like whenever we got a new customer okay we said oh we can get someone else on board and develop this extra thing that we wanted to do and it took us some time to shift from this mindset that you know now the, the game is more like you know you have to grow fast and make sure that you build something really amazing that your customers would love and it's more important to do it fast than uh, maybe to I'm not saying that you have you can completely you know ignore you know your, your, your spending but you have much more resources to do it and you're expected to run fast and do that and that's what the investors want you to do and uh it's a process to shift from these two extremes so it's really interesting i'd love to hear more about that process of shifting you know shifting shifting that mindset it's almost like you know from a place of like i wouldn't say being comfortable but it's like a place to actual really growth the real scaling so yeah elaborate so like um i remember when we we decided to go for this route i mean honestly we, we didn't have to and we had a really nicely growing business and we could grow it more and uh you know get more customers on board on a slower pace uh but i think all of us were really excited about the opportunity to really see if this is a global problem and if you can do uh, something that will help companies and and end user in a global scale and when we saw when we decided to try and and you know go for for it and and uh, so our first round was led 
by a, a vertex ventures one of the largest species here in israel and they were really supportive of us so they helped us do this shift in our state of mind and at first we were like okay so we want to start uh, uh with uh, the european market because it's uh we were instilling this mindset okay these are shorter flights and it's cheaper to go there uh from israel you know and they said you know um, the U.S. is really an amazing market for that. And from our experience, uh, the need is really there. So and it's, it's a larger market. Uh, so you should probably go there. And they were, you know, pushing us to always shift uh, the state of mind. And, and they helped us get our first team members uh, here in the U.S. So first, it was like getting our first person and uh, that, you know, is really exper experienced with working with uh, the insurance industry in the U.S. and then uh, potentially, you know, meeting potential customers, showing them the demos and and you know helping get traction the first the first few customers and till till today where we have a team of uh around uh 25 almost uh almost 30 employees in the u.s so it was like really doing it step by step it was really hard to get the first people on board and like i don't know it was like uh something you had to learn along the way wow so it was more about like my understanding of really just shifting the mindset from a place of like thinking small to thinking big yeah exactly i mean uh, and it sounds easy. Yeah, well, just think big. But you always have these patterns of thinking, let, thinking, okay, let's, but this is going to be, uh, wait, let's optimize this process to be less, uh, you know, to spend less money. And they want you to focus on, you know, spend your energy in how you can build something amazing and grow faster. And don't worry about the small optimizations. Uh, we, we got you covered. If you need more money, we help, we'll help you with that. Just make sure you get there first and you build something amazing. And it's easy to say that, but to really change the pattern of thinking, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. And I think the first year was, was really, we, we felt that, that we didn't, uh, we didn't do this switch completely. And it was, was a year where we, we didn't grow as fast and we kind of learned how to do it. And also opening a new market, it was a really big challenge. Challenge, so mm -hmm. we felt it yeah it's almost like when you have like you know the negative voices in your head and you know the smaller voices and people tell you to stop it just think positive you know or just move through, right. through the voices exactly exactly as we continue along this journey you have this global expansion and you know just recently you raised a beautiful beautiful round of 50 million dollars for further expansion but after that it took you a while to actually raise your, your first round right right we were bootstrapping yeah for uh, more than two years Oh, yeah. Was it done on purpose or is that was just difficult to raise? People didn't understand the problem you tried to solve back then. No, we didn't even try to. I think for us, first of all, understanding that that's what we want to do. I mean, you know, you don't have to do that. You can build your own company. That's also works. But also, I think it was really important for us to understand that we're actually solving some real pain for our customers and it really helps them and they are willing to pay for it. They're not just saying it helps them. They really want to pay for it. And for us, it was really important to, to prove that first of all to ourselves before even going to investors and pitching the idea because we wanted to feel that we are investing our time in something that's real so i think that was part of the part of the the um thought process that led us to doing it a bit later i think it's a good approach but i think it's probably something there's there's an, an interesting balance there because you you always have to gain confidence in, in what you're doing and it, at every stage of your company there are things that you still feel uh you know this uncertainty and even the largest companies and the smaller companies everyone has their own problems and that their challenges and sometimes uh you know you have to 
to just take the leap and do it because uh, you know believe in yourself and then people will will want to give you this chance and uh, you're not going to be a hundred percent certain when you fundraise for the first round or your a round or your B round it's never going to be a hundred percent but that's the, the the entire idea and and you're gonna get uh, a lot of people supporting you people who are experienced and uh, you can learn from them and and then the, even the fact that they are willing to join forces with you and say hey we believe in you go do that we think it's big it gives you so much drive to do it uh, and, and invest your time in it and you know go through the rough patches and and the, the, the harder times and also the the times that everything goes very very well so it really helps and I, I can tell you that along the way Uh, we had an am amazing uh, uh, group of investors joining. So uh, Vertex were, were with us for the, from the first round and then Haneco Ventures uh, joined and led the second round. And we had companies, worldwide companies like Intel joining and they were also very valuable in helping us grow. And now the latest round led by Oak, uh, HCFT, which are really, really experts in the fintech market and healthcare market, and they're helping us, their connections and, and, you know, thought process. So I think our board of directors and our partners are really, really supportive of the company. And that, that gives us so much energy to, to, you know, push forward as hard as we can. So I think we're lucky to have these kind of people on board. And I think that's also what you should be looking for. Like people that, you know, they're not going to stress you up. They're not going to waste your time. They're they're just going to be there for you and make sure you get the tools you need to succeed. Incredible. It's amazing to hear the appreciation you have for your investors, yeah, your board members. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 even in like, uh, we had our, our last board, I think uh, two weeks ago, and there are new people, uh, members of the management that were presenting in the board and were saying like, wow, from our previous companies, we, we never seen such a supportive uh, uh, board of directors. It's uh, it's very rare. And I think uh, that's one of the things that helped us push forward and, and, and grow and, and succeed in what we're doing. So that's really amazing. So I want to thank all of them, really. I'm sure they're going to, going to be listening to this. So it's good to make sure you thank them. <laughs> so what, what do you attribute that to having this type of relationship and connection? With our investors? With your investors, with your board members. Everyone obviously thanks their investors. Everyone, you know, invest, everyone has different types of relationships. But the relationship that you have is amazing. It really sounds like very supportive. They're there for you constantly. They're there to help. They're, they're there to lift up their sleeves. Right. So... I think it all starts with the personal relationship. So first of all, Tal, our, our CEO, is really, um, you know, in close contact with, with all of our investors. And, and uh, it's not like we meet quarterly to talk about, you know, the, the status of the company uh, this quarter. Um, we are in touch with them almost on a weekly basis. Uh, and, and, and the, you know, we share our honest problems with them and they give us their point of view. And it's not only um, creating trust, it's also really helping us. So, you know, we are not alone in this. We can learn from these experienced people who've done it before. And uh, some of them were entrepreneurs on their own and some of them invested in so many companies and so, so how they succeed or how they fail. So kind of working both ways, you know, they, they feel more comfortable with what we're doing. We are very transparent in what's going on with the company. And I think they are appreciative of that and they give us our, their knowledge and, and their experience. So it's a win-win for us. And uh, it's hard work. You know, Tal is working very hard about make sure we keep these connections with them and uh, we keep them updated with 
with everything going on. So important. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks. They're not employees, but it's very, very different, which hence, you know, if we bring up employees, you know, what are the processes you guys, what do you guys do for, for cross-border culture? Because you have, you mentioned before, a team in the USA, you have a team in Israel, two different types of personalities, two different types of cultures, very, very different types of everything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. So uh, first of all, we, you know, uh, try to, to make sure people meet each other. So either in company events or even for work, like in conferences. So we make sure, you know, depending on like uh, the team, but for example, in conferences where we want to do sales and marketing. So the Israeli team will join as well. And we want to do company events. So the US team we join will join maybe some event in Israel sometime or, or we choose some somewhere else to do it. So we want to make sure people meet and know each other. And honestly, um, sometimes it's hard to understand what's going on. And, and you know, even, even for us, the founders when you're right there in in a, in a global conference with the entire uh, u.s sales team and you see them at work and talking about you know this project that we started to work on uh, five years ago in in, uh, in our uh, mom's place <laughs> so now it's something that you know experts from the industry worldwide are talking about and explaining to other potential customers and you say wow this is such an energetic and, and driven team and and they all help each other and they all work with each other so i think getting getting to meet them face to face and uh, I, I think that's the that's the, that's the one most important thing i would say i mean it's, it's true that you know covid times everyone works remotely it's not like it used to be but you know it doesn't have to be you know on a monthly basis but get these people together get them to meet each other to talk to each other and they will want to help each other more and they will understand what each what what everyone does and uh, it will also make them i think a bit proud that they are part of this organization working together on on this uh, shared vision and goals that's like a deeper thing getting them all aligned to the bigger vision of the goals right right and uh, it's not easy i mean uh, first of all even uh, for for us the founders and also the management we sometimes, you know, uh, even have a hard time defining where we want this thing to go and what's the, the next step and what are the top uh, three things we believe are, you know, most important for employees to follow. So uh, imagine, you know, this organization, this organization where people that sometimes haven't even met each other yet and they have to work together on on these goals it's really hard and uh that's why i think uh you know getting together and, and feeling each other is, is very very important you mentioned something something that like sometimes it's difficult from even management for you get the top branch to get together and align on the goals so how do you go about making sure that everyone's aligned in your, pro your process around them so first of all we talk a lot I mean, there is no one right answer. You know, there are so many ways you can add this uh, direction and uh, add this feature to the product or go in a, in a completely different direction and open on the, from a business perspective. You know, we, we started with insurance and then I went to banking and financial services in general and then health. Uh, so so uh, we try to discuss all these ideas and, and um we're lucky enough that, you know, our, our management and also and also all, all our employees are very creative and they have these ideas and we are constantly talking about what's the correct next step. And I think as a startup, this is will something that will differentiate you and, and will help you, you know, adjust faster in this market where, you know, our, uh, still we are in a phase even after our Series V that 
when, in the end of the year, we, we, we have a, a completely different plan than what we started with. And I think that's, that's good. That's great. I mean, planning is great. You learn a lot from the process itself. And, 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 but knowing how to adjust your plan as we go and learn from the market is also big. I think being open to these ideas, talking about them constantly, deciding together, and having this smart group of people surrounding us together, working with us. That's a, that's a secret sauce. It's real effective communication. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the things we mentioned in the beginning was um, the whole concept of product-led growth, letting your customers drive the product, drive the growth. From your previous mistake of your first startup, we're building everything and then going to the customers, asking them if they want it. So talk to me about the product-led growth within EasySet. So yeah, like you said, we started completely the other way around and we started like talking to our customers and first of all, like, you know, just quoting some... Uh, onboarding processes as, as websites and learning after we did we did like four or three how we can generalize it so building like uh, first of all you know an internal uh, library of components we can reuse to build these things more effectively and having the mechanism to uh, automatically generate documents like uh, contracts agreements that will result from this uh, process and, and allowing uh, the customers to sign them online so they don't need to print papers and everything. And I think whenever we came up with an, a new idea, uh, it, it almost always, at least in the beginning, came from, from our customers' requests. And uh, we, we used to pilot it with a new customer and uh, learn their feedback and adjust it. And I think this is an amazing approach. And there, there's also, there's there some, some uh, drawbacks to it. There is something, and, and there's uh, an interesting balance where um, you also want to make sure you're building something that will work for, for many other companies. Right. So you, are, you always have to stay in this balance of, I want to really listen to our customers' needs. And you always have to have this in mind, this idea of, okay, how does this generalize? Because otherwise you're going to be uh, building a lot of different things. And as the company grows, you'll have a hard time maintaining it and generalizing it. So if you can do something that you can build once, but applies for hundreds of customers, and you really have to think hard when you do it, and... Uh, honestly, you're going to build it wrong the first two or three times, and that's fine. But as long as you have this in mind that I want to really understand what this is doing in the more general sense, and uh, you're going to build it right in the fourth time, that's very good. If, you, if you're able to do that, that's very good. How, how do you keep yourself motivated um, the first three times when you do fail? First of all, I think seeing, seeing customers use it and uh, seeing people that, you know, for, for us, it's, it's uh, so cool that, uh, you know, these are services that everyone uses, our friends use it. So every once in a while, I get a, a text message from a friend with a screenshot of, hey, I, I saw that, I know this is your platform, I recognize it, so thank you, it was really easy to use, and so this always helps us uh, stay motivated, and uh, there's nothing like an, a happy customer that says, I've saved him a few hours of not filling in and printing documents and, and figuring out how to fax them. I still, uh, I still see, see places where you have to fax documents, so, you know, no one has this machine anymore so I, I usually go and find an online service that lets me send it so this always helps us keep be, be motivated and I think also that the, the understanding and the, that we are in a process that fine it's just fine to do something that you don't fully understand at first how it's going to grow and scale and learn from the first few examples and then iterating through it and rethinking it both in the product sense on how it should look like but also in the technical sense on 
how we should build it for scale. So as long as you understand that this is a natural process, you don't get stressed and you just enjoy the ride, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the main part, enjoying it. But sometimes, it's, but it can be challenging to enjoy when you see all the constant challenges and constantly pushing yourself. But no one ever um, regretted the after effect when they get past that hump. Right. To go into those difficult times. No one ever regretted that aspect. Right. I mean, like at, at any point in your company, you have, you're going to have very diff- difficult things that you're handling and, and uh, many challenges. If it was easy, you know, everyone would always do it. But I think that, so for example, like growing a company and especially, you know, when you, you need to grow fast and you need to join a lot of people and, you know, shifting for a state of mind when, um, whenever there's a problem, okay, I can solve it myself, no problem. To, to a state of mind where I have to build a team that can solve it at scale, it's really challenging, uh, but it's also really fun. And for, for us, it's uh, the first time we're building something uh, for that scale. And uh, it's an amazing challenge and we've learned so much from it. So yeah, that's also motivating. That's amazing. So then how, how do you scale yourself up? First of all, we use a lot of help, a lot of external help. So uh, I think in general, entrepreneurs in different stages of their companies, they like to help each other. And, and that's that's really awesome. And we, we always try to do it also. So. Uh, you know, at each stage, you kind of like can get assistance from people who've done done this stage and maybe are one or two stages uh, after. And there's a really amazing community, both he- here in Israel and also in the U.S., people that are just here to help you, not, not because they want, you know, to get paid for it necessarily, or they just want to help other entrepreneurs do what they did and uh, uh, help them from their experience. And uh, we also like to do it a lot, and we meet a lot of companies and try to to you know give give them our two cents on you know mistakes we've done in the beginning and uh, how to avoid them. Uh, hopefully, we can do something to help them. <laughs> I think we can. So, uh, yeah, it's it's. I think this is the this, the thing that uh, helps us the most. Like, right. Yeah, and it's one of the most beautiful things about the entrepreneurship community, the ecosystem around it, how everyone's supporting each other. But you just mentioned the mistake part. You know, so what are the what are the mistakes that you tell entrepreneurs not to make? <laughs> so I already told you uh, the first one I learned uh, really uh, early on. If you're if you're coming from tech mm-hmm. and you're you're feel comfortable with technology. Avoid it as much as you can until as uh, as late late as you can. Uh, just because otherwise you're gonna be you know drawn into it and uh, it's not good at first. I think uh, some things we've also learned al- along the way is the importance of writing down a lot of your knowledge. So and I think it's very natural you know in the first stages of the company, it's a small team. Everyone talks with each other. They all know each other. If there's a problem, you ask someone or you, you already know. But at some point, there's more and more knowledge that uh, relates to uh, the product, how it works, how your customers use it, uh, common pitfalls. So you have to start documenting it. And I think if you do it earlier on, it's going to really benefit you. It's going to build a strong uh, knowledge base for your company and it's going to make things much more effective. And trying to grow as you define uh, also very um, good understanding of what's the role and, and uh, an idea of each team is going to some is going to be something that helps them work better 
as a team, but also, you know, communicate with each other. And what we're trying to do is try to, for example, for our, our developer teams, we always try to um, really connect them to not just, okay, you have this and this task or this, not even this and this feature in the product that you have to do, but also uh, make sure that they are really connected to what's this product supposed to do for the company, who's going to use it, who's the end customer, and uh, a developer team already always have an idea in in their mind that the persona or like the, the potential person that should enjoy what they're doing and they uh, have the role to make him happy so you know as long as they feel that what they're doing is making this person happy they're doing something good so it kind of helps fine-tune you know and and it's it's in the small things but when you really understand where what what's the end purpose of what you're doing you, you're just doing it much better right. so writing it down and and also understanding the business need in every team in the company not not just sales and, and marketing everything two important points and let me ask you then if you had to do it different if you had to start again from the beginning what would you yeah. do different um so first of all I, i'd learn from from all all these uh, three things so, uh, <laughs> I definitely do uh, a lot of more uh, uh, documentation at, at first early stages of the company. And I think I'll try, uh, I would have tried to uh, make sure all the team leaders that we build as, as the teams grow, they are really connected to the business need. I think I would also go fundraising a bit earlier. I think we were uh, maybe a, a bit uh, too scared at first to to say, yeah, we really believe this, this is something and it took us longer to do it. And I think we already understood it, understood the potential and, and uh, maybe we could have been a bit faster. But uh, I think it's it's also very good, you know, to, to, to learn more from your customers, be more close with them and do more uh, of the bootstrapping phase, it also has its advantages. I think probably we should have made it a bit harder. I think, uh, I, I really love the fact we started bootstrapping and I, I would recommend it for everyone, you know, when you set up your company, it really helps you learn better what you're doing. Bootstrapping is a whole different mindset where you have the scarcity mindset. Like you, you know that you have to be very frugal because every penny is coming out of your own bank account. Right. And you can't really go ahead and start splurging and making crazy purchases. And every single person you bring on is only because you actually really need them. Right. Exactly. I mean, uh, it helps you build something that I think has a good potential to be a big company just because, you know, economics work in a smaller scale. So but the, but still they work so uh, obviously it's not going to be exactly the same but at least it, it shows potential to build something that will work in a larger scale right. you mentioned one other thing that i guess it took you a long time to get get past that fear i guess to really commit to it in order to raise it i see a lot of times like a lot of entrepreneurs go through that process where they don't go ahead and raise money because of their fear of like if they raise money it means i really have to do it now i really have to build it to right. build it next Right. And I can tell you, I was also in several phases in, in my life in, in places where I uh, was working with a, a friend or a potential partner, thinking about new ideas and talking about them. And, and I think at, this, at some point, this process becomes even like negative. You, you, you go through all these possible different uh, paths of, of what, what can happen and what can go wrong. And and you just uh, set yourself to think in a failure mindset, I think. And it's not that I don't think you have to think about things in advance. I just think that there's a, a place where it becomes uh, non-beneficial. And, and you have to say, okay, there, there's something good in here. 
I, I want to try it. And of course, you're not going to get everything right in the first you know, second and you, you're going to do changes along the way and it's natural. But if you have a team that you, you love working with and you have a good direction, I think fundraising can really help you go to the next step and get, learn from people that are more experienced and you can just uh, learn faster and, uh, and you know, uh, try and, and uh, trial and error faster and uh, you'll get there faster. It's, it's, all, it's all about trial and error. That's it. Trying and erring, trying and erring. Exactly. Exactly. That's the key. What do we tell young Iran? Sitting right now, he's reflecting a younger version. You finished college because your parents wanted you to finish college and they have all the opportunities in front of you. And you could join and do whatever it is you wanted to do. What young message we tell to this young explorer? I think just, you know, believe in yourself. Uh, so, for example, when I started learning how to code, today I think it's much more common. But back then it was like, you know, not everybody would, would do that. And, you know, uh, it was different. And uh, uh, I would say, like, you know, just follow your passion. Don't worry about it. You will you'll enjoy it and then do what you like. I think that's the most important thing. Believe in yourself and do what you love. Believe in yourself and do what you love. I love it yeah <laughs> iran thank you thank you for uh, your time if i the opportunity you're welcome i truly enjoy this I, i've learned a lot uh not just about the easy send journey but also from you you know a lot of the times and not a lot of times all the time the conversation is not the actual words that are being said it's more the conversation underlying the conversation the subconscious part about it that's where most knowledge and learnings are taken from and learned and i've learned a lot from from that aspect and i learned a lot of different things from you from that process i want to thank you and i truly know that this is going to benefit thousands of people that, that are listening to it it's going to, to benefit them a lot for me. So thank you. Thank you. And thank, you. thank you so much. And uh, thank you for your time and the opportunity. And I want to also thank our amazing team at EasySend. We couldn't have done it with, uh, without each and every one of you. So thanks a lot for being with us. And yeah. You're welcome. Wow. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and learned something that you're able to implement into your life today. Now, I hope to see you back on Thursday when we will be releasing a brand new episode with another incredible founder. So don't forget to subscribe to make sure to get all those updates and future updates of all new episodes. Have a great week and see you Thursday.